These are the facts. The world is in trouble, but we're going to straighten it out. We are going to build the wall, okay? Don't worry. America first. Together, we will make America great again. That's what I do. I fix things. We're going to straighten it out. Well, it's time for Unprecedented, our weekly podcast with a look at uh, President Donald Trump's White House. Uh, it's done, of course, in the company of veteran White House watcher Adrian Collins, who joins me every week, and we look at how the week's been going in Washington, D.C. Big story Russia still, isn't it? I mean, the, the Secretary uh, of State goes to Russia um, I never thought he was going to get a, a, a warm welcome, and of course he duly didn't. No, it was a very frosty trip for Tillerson, and both him and Trump then, President Trump, I should say, of course, George, him and President Trump, in the wake of that trip, said that US-Russia relations were probably now at an all-time low. Here's a quick clip of the, the two of them saying that. It would be wonderful, as we were discussing just a little while ago, if NATO and our country could get along with Russia. Right now, we're not getting along with Russia at all. We may be at an all-time low in terms of uh, relationship with Russia. This is built for a long period of time. Putin is the leader of Russia. Russia is a strong country. Uh, we're a very, very strong country. We're going to see how that all works out. We just came from a productive meeting of about two hours with President Putin. We frankly discussed the current state of U.S.-Russia relations. I expressed the view that the current state of U.S.-Russia relations is at a low point. There is a low level of trust between our two countries. The world's two foremost nuclear powers cannot have this kind of relationship. I, I would disagree that it's at the lowest point ever. I mean, that's a big call uh, from Stalinist Russia, post-World War II, the Cold War, all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I don't think there has ever been, to be honest, uh, a good relationship with Russia other than Mr. Gorbachev uh, tear down that wall. President Reagan's great remark, wall comes down, uh, satellite countries are free for the first time in 50 years. But other than that didn't change the relationship with Russia. No, and it will always, to a certain extent, probably be like this because of the fact that they are two, as Tillerson noted, they're two nuclear powers, the world's two great nuclear powers. And that's partially why this issue that Trump had on his campaign trail of constantly coming back to warming up to Russia and and somehow turning around relations to Russia was unrealistic. That's what I suppose people's main problem with it was. Not only that, but it also seemed to be counterintuitive because of all the stuff that started to come out throughout the campaign trail and now in the wake of it as well, of the Russian involvement in the election. We keep coming back to this, and I know you're probably sick to the teeth of talking about it. You're right. <laughs> but it's not just that... It's not... I don't think... It's important to clarify that Trump... It, the accusations here are not that Trump was some sort of Russian agent and is now a, a, a Kremlin puppet in the uh, in the White House, which is what Hillary Clinton said during the debates. That's not really what's at, at, at issue here. What's at issue was the fact that the people all around Trump, all of his advisors, people he'd spoken to and spoken about who would form part of his team, had been in contact with Russian officials. And one of those people, Carter Page, went on ABC. So there was essentially... The news came out that a FISA warrant, Foreign uh, Intelligence Surveillance Act, 
warrant was issued for Carter Page after he left the Trump administration. So they didn't want to do it while he was involved in case it looked like they were trying to essentially listen in on what on Trump's camp. But this came out that he had been involved and had spoken to Russian uh, agents, essentially. He went on a load of morning shows, spoke to ABC News' George Stephanopoulos and did not have a good time. Did you meet with anyone in the Russian government or connected to Russian intelligence? I said hello briefly to uh, one individual who is a board member of the of the new economic school where I gave my speech. And in any of these conversations with Russians, did you ever suggest to any of them that President Trump, a candidate Trump, would be open to easing sanctions on Russia? Absolutely not. Never? Not once? Well, I, I don't recall every single word that I ever said, but I, I would never make any offer or... But it sounds like from what you're saying, it's possible that you may have discussed the easing of sanctions. Someone may have brought it up. I have no recollection. And any conversations about those emails that were stolen from the DNC, from the Clinton campaign? Not a word. Not once? Not once. So how can you be sure you didn't talk about that, but you're not sure you didn't talk about easing of sanctions? Well, that is... I mean, that that didn't happen until um, a couple of weeks later. Uh, you see, if you met a Russian and you were in uh, the Trump campaign or, or White House or whatever, and you met a Russian who was a high-placed Russian, wouldn't you talk about these kind of things? Or are you worried that he's talking about these kind of things? Is this not what sort of high-powered politics is all about, No. It is, I suppose, but it's also, given that there was, that all the intelligence agencies agreed that there was Russian interference in the election, it now is starting to look very suspicious that Flynn, certainly Manafort, now Carter Page, who Trump named specifically when he was asked about who would form advisors, he said, oh, Carter Page, PhD. All of these people can't remember, can't really remember if whether or not they spoke with Russian agents, sessions as well, about the easing of sanctions. That's a lot of smoke without any fire. That's four separate people who are not 100% sure exactly what happened. Now, according to a report, I think, I believe it was in the Washington Post, Russian agents were overheard describing Carter Page as an enthusiastic idiot. Certainly from his appearance on the morning shows, if he's your Russian spy, you're in a lot of trouble because he's not exactly spy material. He's no James Bond. But there's a, you know, a lot of politics we get from movies um, or books. And in All the President's Men with Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman, which was about Nixon and all that sort of stuff, an awful lot of the guys of that Nixon cohort were enthusiastic idiots. I mean, when you look at Attorney General John Mitchell, you look at Haldeman, Ehrlichman, all these kind of guys who are now lost in the fog of history. But you might well have described them as, you know, idiots too. So there is no certainty in America, and America more than almost any other country, because... By and large, we, we, we criticize Irish and British politics, but by and large, they tend to pick the best guy if they can, okay? Now, whereas in America, they pick the guy who gave them the most money or they, you know, did the most work in the campaign. American politics is all about uh, preference and doing favors for people, which therefore means they don't get the best people necessarily. No, I think you're probably right. And Carter Page is a good example yeah, of that. But there have As been Carter are, Pages throughout American presidential history. There have. And 
the problem with the Trump White House is it seems to be full of Carter pages. No, that's true. People like Bannon, who came up through the campaign with Trump advising his nationalist, isolationist rhetoric, that now in the last week he's turned against all of those things that Bannon had him saying. He's now not going to label China a currency manipulator. He believes NATO is no longer obsolete. He gives himself credit for that, by the way. In the press conference, he said, NATO has evolved to find to fight terrorism and that was mainly off the back of my criticisms of NATO. All of these things that Trump has said that were Bannon's ideas have now shifted because, and I think this is probably one of the crucial things, Trump, throughout the campaign we were told that essentially Trump likes to be liked. So whoever he's in the room with, he wants to gain their approval. He's now in the room with the Washington elite. He's surrounded himself with Goldman Sachs bankers, people who but are Andrew calling Kennedy his shots. likes to be liked. No, oh, he likes to be liked but I think to this extent it's a different kettle of fish. Donald Trump spends a lot of his time watching news to see whether or not he's liked by the general people, by the general public. I, look, I, it's, it's, this all the, no, I'm not going to say that I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not going to say that because what I'm frantically hoping for is that this four years works because it has an effect on all of us, mm-hmm. not the least of which 50,000 illegal Irish in America. But now you find that he's squaring up to Russia. He's, you see it as a negative that he actually says we need NATO, where surely it's a positive. Uh, and then he's dropped the biggest bomb in history pretty well, the nearest thing to a nuclear device. The mother of all bombs, apparently. Yes. It's called. That's the massive ordnance air bomb or blast. Now, the thing about that is I think... A lot of the reporting has focused on Trump calling the shots here. It's not 100% clear that Trump actually gave the okay on this. And secondly, if you look at where the bomb was used, it was used in an area. It's never been used before because of the risk of collateral damage. It's going to have about an effect of a mile wide. So they didn't want to use it in areas where the US was in conflict because they were mostly cities or villages or areas where there was going to be a lot of civilian casualties. This area was near the border, mainly agricultural, a lot of caves, tunnels, networks, and it turned out to be the, I don't want to say the perfect place, but the ideal place to use a bomb of this destructive magnitude. To put it in context, it, you're talking about an effect of, I think it was 11 tons of force in this bomb, and the the bomb dropped on Hiroshima was kilotons. So you're still a long way off any sort of nuclear weapon. But this was a decision made by a general rather than Trump himself. No, 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 no. no. I mean, otherwise, like, if that's true, if you follow your logic, you know, some general can actually drop a nuclear device and not tell the president. Like, Trump may not be smart enough to say, I think it'd be a good idea to drop a bomb, mother of all bombs on caves in such and such a place. But there is no way in the American system that they drop a bomb without saying, Pres, is it okay to drop the bomb? to fire a load of bombs over here. Well, otherwise, like, you know, uh, some... This is just uh, the movie with Peter Sellers in it. I can't remember what was the name of it. With the nuclear bomb and all that. And he was the president. Uh, You're too... (laughs) Dr. Strangelove. You're too young to remember, Adrian. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, now you're in Dr. Strangelove country, if you believe that. 
I'm, well, you're wrong, I'm sure of it. I'm, I'm, I may well be wrong, but I mean, Sean Spicer was unwilling to say that it was definitely the president's decision. He said he'd refer to the Department of Defence. I'm sure the general said, this is the perfect time to use this bomb, let's use this bomb, and he said, fine. Look, the smartest press secretary in White House history was a fictional one, and that was the one in uh, the West Wing, uh, the Dame. C.J. Parker. She was the smartest ever. Press secretaries, I don't think, get hired for their smarts. Certainly not Sean Spicer this week. No, but there have been a ton of them. Like, there have been a ton of them uh, and who have been pretty average. I mean... The Spicer only... dips below average on a regular basis does, and got yeah. himself into quite he a does, bit of bother yeah. this week with an ill-advised Hitler comparison that he couldn't even walk back when given the opportunity by the media to say, do you want to clarify your remarks? He yeah. made it worse. Well, what he said was something to the effect that Hitler never used chemical uh, weapons, basically, yeah. of course, denying that Zyklon B, which was the original gas they used um, to to gas uh, Holocaust people um, and so on. So Hitler used chemical weapons in concentration camps. Uh, Spicer, if he had enough wit to actually kind of clarify, he would have said that Hitler never used chemical weapons on the the front, on the war front. I mean, interestingly, there was a much bigger use of chemical weapons in World War One than there was in World War Two, because, of course, both sides used gas. Chlorine gas and mustard yeah. gas and the like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think the issue with Spicer there is this wouldn't be a problem. This would have been a simple thing if he just said, look, I misspoke. What I meant was yeah. whatever he, he was trying to express and take yeah. a moment to give himself some time to think. But it would have been a problem if there hadn't already been the issue of make, uh, not making any mention of Jewish people in their Holocaust Memorial Day uh, press release. If they hadn't aligned themselves with this far right element that has a tinge of anti-Semitism to it, this wouldn't have been an issue. This would have been a blip. But this seems to be a, a, another step in a pattern of things that are going wrong for the White House in regards to anti-Semitism that would make people suggest, I don't think... Sean Spicer's an anti-Semite. I think he's just a bit stupid and probably didn't pay much attention in history class. That's probably it. I think that's a reasonable assessment of the the presidential press secretary. Before we move off Russia, can I just mention that uh, there's been changes in the House Intelligence Committee. Um, I have a small clip here that probably demonstrates exactly why Intelligence Committee might be a very generous name to give this. The two people who are now in charge of it because Nunes decided he had to step aside because he was compromised, as we discussed a few weeks ago. It's now Trey Gowdy and Representative Mike Conaway who managed to confuse himself with his own analogy when speaking to FBI Director James Comey. The the logic is that because he really didn't like uh, President, the candidate Clinton, that he automatically liked Trump. That assessment's based on um, what? Well, it's based on more than that, but part of it is, and we're not getting into the details of it here, but part of it is the logic. Whoever the Red Raiders are playing, you want the Red Raiders to win. By definition, you want their opponent to lose. I know, but this says that, that you wanted both of them, you wanted her to lose, wanted him to win. Is that Right, they're inseparable. Right? It's, a two, it's a two-person right, right. event. I got you. So I'm just wondering when you decided you wanted him to win. I have to say, I think both of them are rubbish. Comey and Conway. I don't think Comey's performance since he's taken office at the FBI has been brilliant. 
he had his his performance on the Clinton emails and all that sort of stuff. Like he's not much good either. He was so concerned with being respected on both sides that he sacrificed his respect on both sides. So now that he went against the Democrats and essentially put his finger on the scales of the election, saying, releasing a letter saying, we found a load of emails, they could or could not be related to Hillary. He was so concerned that if he didn't announce it before the election, that after the election it would look like a cover-up. So he said it, even though there was nothing really to it. And now afterwards he's trying to roll back on that by saying, yep. well, I'm actually harsh on the Republicans as well. Oh, it, 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 it's interesting, in fact, before you played that clip, you talked about, you know, the Intelligence Committee might be a great name. and But it was interesting listening to it. It was hard to differentiate between the two of them uh, as to which one of them wasn't really very smart. So uh, there's one thing absolutely certain, that unprecedented, which you can find, of course, on Newstalk.com, or indeed iTunes. One thing that is going to keep it rolling along is that it's great entertainment, which even at its best, the West Wing couldn't equal.